What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode at the Corporate Coven, a podcast dedicated to helping you find ways to integrate spirituality, astrology, ritual, magic into your everyday life, especially your professional life. And something that I've talked before about on the podcast is the way that your family of origin, your ancestry, and their values influence your career today. And I'm really excited to bring Lex back onto the podcast. Previously, Lex was featured in one of my Saturn Return episodes. They shared their experience having Saturn in Aquarius, but also what it was like for them having Saturn move through Capricorn as well, and just how influential that was in their life. And I'm really, really excited. Lex is essentially like a walking thesaurus. Um, I feel like there are so many things that I learn from Lex. I think I just said thesaurus. I think I meant encyclopedia. I love following Lex on Instagram because they are constantly sharing their bookcase with us. Lex has so many incredible resources on their site, both for free for anyone who's interested in dabbling in this work or being curious about it. And of course, there's always paid services as well where you get more of that nuance. You get more of that personal experience. And in this conversation with Lex, I got so much richness out of it. I've had a complicated relationship with my ancestry and with my family of origin, especially as it comes forward to how I make decisions in my career, especially because I was raised in a very conservative, high control Christian religion. And I have a legacy of that belief system in my family. And then here I am in open and practicing witch and astrologer. And so I got so much out of this conversation with Lex. They really helped me see where I have opportunities to retell some of the story for my ancestors and for myself as well. They provide insight for what to do or not to do if you're trying to work with an ancestor who has either recently passed, who has caused harm in the family, Um, or who maybe was harmed in the family. There's so much richness in this episode. And again, I think this is so valuable for anyone trying to understand how these topics and how these things come in and are influencing your career today. So I won't belabor this intro any longer. I'm really excited to welcome Lex onto the podcast. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Lex. Hi, Lex. Hi. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Well, I mean, our first conversation, I actually still go back and re-listen to that episode. It's going to be embarrassing at the end of the year when we have our Spotify wrapped. The most popular podcast I listen to is probably my own, but it's just because (laughs) I love going back and re-listening to episodes for whatever reason. And yours is one that I go back and listen to often there were so many like nuggets of wisdom and I'll never move on from the analogy that you shared about moving through the Saturn return so I'm really excited to have you back on and today we're going to be talking all things ancestry yeah I'm super excited and super appropriate like to follow up sat talking about Saturn so absolutely yeah and this is one that um I have kind of a weird and unique relationship, and I I think we'll talk like a little bit about that through the conversation, but this is an area of working with ancestry that I've had, I've noticed some aversion to. There are some things with my lineage that 
I'm unclear about. And because I'm uncomfortable, I have a hard time engaging with. So I'm super grateful for folks like you that engage in this work and make it really accessible. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Like, how did you get into it? Like, what was your journey into like ancestry? Yeah, I, it's sort of, this sounds really cliche, but it's like kind of like one of those things that like I've always been interested in. Yeah. Um, Like ever since I was a kid, like I loved hearing like my great, I knew my great grandmother as a kid. And so I loved hearing her stories of when she was living in Italy and immigrating and like growing up in, you know, the town they settled in and I, yeah, those stories of like, of the, the I don't know. I'm just like, I'm also a tarot reader. So like, I love stories that we tell ourselves and like yeah. tarot lets you deconstruct those stories. Um, and ancestor work is part in, in part deconstructing those stories sometimes. And sometimes it's reconstructing them to be more affirming. And so that like interplay of what like what are the roots of the stories we tell about ourselves and um how can we work to make them either like life affirming or um you know counteract the negative stories that we might have inherited mm. that yeah that kind of idea of stories is really at the heart of ancestor work and for me and really um really it's about reconnecting to the unseen Mm. um and I sometimes when we're you're like go talk to some flowers it's like flowers can't talk they don't have mouths they're not they don't have like consciousness in the way we think of consciousness and so like the ancestors these are people who like you share a lineage with they care about you they had human experiences and they had lived experiences that you can probably relate to in some way shape or form and so it can be a little bit more accessible um and when you do get your ancestors on your side they're an amazing team of spirits Mm -hmm. um who just kind of like supercharge your spiritual work so so many different ways and reasons that ancestor work has become such a fundamental part of my practice yeah I mean I have like so many follow-up questions but I'm gonna hold on to them I want I'm curious like what was the transition point for me for you for where it was like this is something that I'm curious about and I'm interested in to this is now something that I'm gonna offer to people like I, I see this as real value and I'm gonna now help them with it yeah it was I'm stubborn. <laughs> And so um, my spirits have learned that if they want me to do something, they need to make it really, really clear and like really, really like obvious and really, really not optional. Yeah. Um, And so they, it was kind of this long process where they were like, you should do this. There's, there's something that's missing in ancestor work because there is in a lot of, a lot of ancestor work is very like focused on your blood lineage it's very focused on like and respect you know like it's it's even when it's not necessarily like people who are like trying to perpetuate these notions of uh like filial piety and like obeying your elders Mm -hmm. um it's not 
yeah, it's, um, it can get in there. It's mm-hmm. these things are pervasive in our culture. And they were things that I really struggled with when I was doing my own ancestor work. And so, yeah, there were, there were lots of signs, lots of symbols. And I sat with it for like a year mm-hmm. of like, what, what would it take for me to be okay offering this to other people? Yeah. Um, because when you're engaging with other people's dead, they, it can get messy. Like, right? Like a lot of us have real messed up ancestors. Yeah. And um, how do I create the boundaries for me to make that safe? How do I create the boundaries to safely guide my clients through that? Um, all of that was like, you know, really weighing on my mind in constructing the containers, the offers, the the ways I structure this work. Um, and also like really making, I also really wanted to make it feel like something that people are allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Because in my opinion, ancestor work is a deeply human thing. Um, and I hate I hate work to speak in universals, so um, I'm not going to, but in basically like almost all human culture that there is like evidence of, there's some sort of ancestor practice, Mm -hmm. whether that is like collective civic ancestors or the ancestors of your clan or tribe or um, ancestors of your little, your literal direct blood lineage. Yeah. Like. And we all, there's all kinds of concepts of the underworld. There's all kinds of concepts of where the dead go to and what their spirits get up to in the afterlife. Um, There's something like really human about this practice and feeling like you can't access it because you're queer, because your ancestors were mean or fucked up or like terrible people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that, that seems like a deep injustice and it seems like a deep, severance from something that's deeply human and I think that is a huge problem and so one I also really wanted to make it feel like something that like you could do even if you're queer um yeah like me or if you you know have a strained relationship with your ancestors or you know if you're adopted that also brings in wrinkles that mm-hmm. are that are unique to that situation so yeah it is one of those things, like even in the the natal chart, right? Like the fourth house is forming a square to the ascendant. And so it is this, it, it can be experienced as real tension between who you're trying to evolve and who you're trying to become in this life. But then also there's these expectations placed on you. And sometimes there are perceived limitations, but other times there are real barriers that we experience because of what our ancestry or our lineage is and what we inherited from that. And so there can be a lot of tension. I mean, I think that there's also this, um, again, I don't want to say it's universal, but like, I think it's a pretty common experience to at one point in time, reject your family lineage. Um, I think that Nietzsche is where I originally heard this like philosophy, but like you have to like kill your parents essentially, like metaphorically, right? Um, To become who you are. And so a lot of that is severing from the family, but then for the most part, we have a moment of reconciliation where we are who we are and we have our DNA and we have this genetic code now thanks to our ancestors. And so what what do you do with that? You can pretend like it's not there, but the reality is that it exists. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like that, like, metaphor, right? Like, as a queer person who still has pretty strained relationships with my living family. Yeah. Um, it, there is something, it's like, you know, there's, there's something to, like, I totally differentiate myself from this and I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah. But like we are people living in communities or like who ought to be who properly are, you know, communal beings. Mm-hmm. And you know, one way I frame ancestors is that an ancestor is anyone with whom you share a lineage of care. Right. So this is it. That makes it inclusive of found family. It makes it inclusive of like anyone who's like nurtured your growth in any way. And you do you share so many lineages of care and. Being part of a lineage of care, right, like tending to your own lineages of care is also ancestor work. Right. Mm. So like you tend to the lineages that nurtured you so that you can nurture the lineages that come after you um, and it creates this big interconnected cycle of relationship yeah I'm just remind like remembering something that you said in our previous episode we were talking about the concept of like as above so below and I think of that because I often put a tree over the top of a natal chart and the branches and the leaves are up at the top in the 10th house but the roots are down in the fourth house right mm-hmm. and I remember you saying that so often when we hear that quote from Seneca you know we think of it as like you know above and below and it's very linear and you described it as more fractal and that makes me think about the idea of including found family and that it's not just about like blood but it's a lot more than that yeah yeah and I actually like love that you actually like put the the tree to it you know because you do have in that the natal chart you've got like this is the underworld and Mm -hmm. this is the I don't overworld and yeah. you've got the like gates of Hades and 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 the second and the eighth and it's just yeah. like there's a there's a cat outside my window sorry <laughs> um, you you've um it's it's it really does has have this like beautiful like symmetry in that is like this is these are like there's this um phrase in the uh I'm going to mess it up now because I'm going to try to quote it, Uh, but from the Orphic Hymn to Persephone Mm. and it something along the lines of um, you, you feed us forever. You bring death to all is, is the line in the translation that I like. And there is like that, that's, that's the juxtaposition of it for me is like, Our ancestors are those roots bringing up nutrients from the underworld and feeding our growth. Yeah. And also like sometimes in the wintertime, we have to retreat to our roots and like go back to that and have like a fallow period. And it is, it's just part of that cycle. Yeah. So I'm curious, like I, well, I'll give some like of my backstory. So I, I grew up in a religion where ancestry work and genealogy was actually very, very important to the practice and to the culture. And so it was something that as a kid, I actually found no interest in, aside from finding out that I had an ancestor named Lemon, and that seemed really 
interesting and That's like funny, name. right? <laughs> like, aside from like, what were the funny names that people use? Like I never really cared for it. And a lot of it was because I didn't see value in their story. It either wasn't applicable to me or there was some part of me which rejected some of their choices and decisions. Um, and so I never wanted to engage with it. I, I didn't see a lot of value in it. And I don't think that I'm necessarily descended from like terrible, awful people, but there's definitely choices that were made that I don't find joy in knowing about or learning about, and I don't see value there. It's a part that I reject. And as I get older and as I'm starting to experience, like, you know, the elders that I grew up with passing away, um, all of a sudden this idea of like ancestry is becoming more important. You know, I also grew up with like a great grandma. She only passed away a few years ago. So I think about how she was in my life for such a long time, but my children's grandparents may not have that same relationship, but I still feel this weird aversion to it. And so like, what would you say to someone like me where I'm like, I, I kind of see value, but I also just have such a hard time getting into it. I, I, I don't know that there's a block there. Yeah. So I think I'd go back to like stories, right? Like the stories that we tell or don't tell about our ancestors are really telling. Mm. And I wonder, right? What stories were you told about your ancestors? What kinds of people were you told they were? Yeah. And um, how did that relate to like the expectations placed on you as a kid? Um, and I would point, I, I would also like point out to say that there might be stories that you are really surprised to find, mm -hmm. especially if you're familiar with like a genealogical ancestor work, like genealogy can be a part of ancestor work. Yeah. It's not ancestor work inherently. Right. Yeah. And when we're just looking at like the census information and who married who, and like when people died you're missing so much about like, you know, that uncle who never married. Um, maybe if you were like to go look up some newspaper clippings, like he was like super involved in like the local musical theater scene or something, mm -hmm. you know, like there are all these hidden stories that don't get told. Yeah. Um, I also think about, I have a great aunt who, you know, they, they, they were all story, all these stories. Like that was the day that aunt Madeline disappeared um she's never seen again we don't know what happened to her she just left mm. she had a kid out of wedlock she she ran away because of yeah. that and you know eventually her son reconnected with the family um and like like really recently actually like just in the last few years that wow this family like mystery has been uncovered and like that was a story that didn't get to be told and sometimes those stories aren't told because we don't have the information. Yep. And sometimes those stories aren't told because they're shameful or like not the story we want to be projecting mm -hmm. about the family. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I'm, I'm saying all this and I'm like, I, I have book recommendations. So if you are interested in book recommendations, um, Ancestor Trouble is a memoir that um, explores complicated ancestors as well as like you know, what is genealogy and what's the history of this practice and looking at it in a cultural context. Yeah. Excellent. Um, 
there is a book called Hall of Waters by uh, Camille Berry Grass. And it is looking at, it's like a, it's like a genealogical study of place. And like, what is the history of this place and the stories that get told or not get told about that place? Yeah. And then um, the seven or eight deaths of Stella Fortuna, which is a book about um, Italian immigrants, uh, Southern Italian immigrants specifically. And it really explores like, what are these hidden stories that um, color our lives, even as we don't talk about them? Mm-hmm. Did you talk about that last one recently? I know you do like the book tours, which I love when you show us like some of your books. That sounds oh, so, so familiar. Glad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think so because I actually gifted my, I re-gifted my copy to my mom because I was like, oh, okay, this was a very valuable book for me to read. I'm never going to read it again. <laughs> It was like, I picked it up in a live, not at an airport once. And I was just like, I just needed a book. Yes. And um, it ended up being amazing. Um, But I'm never going to read it again. Yeah. Because it was also like really upsetting. Um, But super, I mean, because it's, you know, I'm, I'm Italian American. And so like some of them are like, oh, this is close to home. Yes. Um, So yeah. Uh, But I did mention it. I created a document of, um, ancestor work resources like queer ancestor work resources for people in southern italian diaspora okay it's like the longest title ever um but it's it's that specific so um that one is in there so yeah okay maybe that's where i saw it but or this is just like another sign like that i'm randomly hearing this again so it's a sign that i need to like engage more and read it right definitely it's it's a good book it's just also a challenging one yeah but i think that's such an important perspective like the idea that there are the stories that we tell but then there are also the stories that are untold and again again for me i have this belief that a lot of the stories i heard growing up with my ancestors were specifically told to perpetuate a belief system which i actually no longer abide by or participate in and so thinking of like well what else was going on what are those things that were unsaid or how maybe it was like history changed right like it's always told from the story of the victor and not necessarily the reality of of what was going on yeah yeah absolutely and like you I you'd be surprised how many ancestors like fit into the like cracks of those stories or like how many how many ancestors stories actually don't match up to like the story that's being told Mm -hmm. um so recently like this year I've been doing a lot of work with um Madonna de god I'm gonna mess it up because like anytime I'm like speaking two different languages it's like my brain can't do it um we're also recording this during the Mercury retrograde yeah, cycle, right? So we bad. have that going. So, um, Madonna de Montevergine, yeah. and um, who's a Southern Italian Madonna, um, a Black Madonna, which is like a specific kind of like, uh, there's, I mean, there's many of them. She's yeah. just one. Um, and she is particularly associated with queer people. Mm-hmm. And like her story is that at one point, like, you know, in the Middle Ages, I can't remember exactly the year, um, she there were there were two queer men 
who had been caught together and they got kicked out of their town Mm -hmm. and they were out in the cold and they were going to die and she sheltered them and not only did she shelter them she brought them back to their families to their communities and said like no this these people are Mm -hmm. part of your community you cannot kick them out and so as I've been working with her I have been intentionally engaging with my queer ancestors Mm -hmm. and there are many more of them than I expected and in some ways this makes sense like throughout all of history like there have not been a lot of options for people yeah and and so they just kind of went along and got along and it was painful and traumatic and being recognized that simple act of being recognized is in and of itself really healing for mm-hmm. your ancestors mm-hmm. so like just giving your ancestors space to like look and I, sometimes I use the term um hidden ancestors for this is like if I specifically want to reach out to those ancestors whose stories didn't get told in the way that they wanted whose stories are effaced or deliberately hidden mm-hmm. or um obscured in some way like I will address my hidden ancestors and it's let them know that I want to connect to them I want to connect to their stories I want to do what I can to acknowledge them um and personally as a queer person um like letting those queer ancestors know like look like I get to do this Mm -hmm. and I want to share that joy and that glory and that that desire and that deliciousness with you it's delightful. Yeah. I'm this I feel like hesitant to ask this cuz I'm afraid of sounding like such a noob, but candidly I am, right? Like I, for years and years I really had an aversion and I just wasn't interested and I didn't engage and even when like you know people would try to tell me like a little bit about like, our family legacy or our lineage, like this was a few months ago my my grandfather was telling me about one of our ancestors and he shared one story and I was like they were an idiot I don't care (laughs) like I can't believe they made that decision that's so embarrassing to be related to them (laughs) um but like how how far back do you go like when we say ancestors there's one part of me that's like oh like you know my great grandma's sisters something or I'm like all the way back to like my Norse heritage like What's your thought on that? Like, where do you yeah. start? My answer is yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it, I don't think there's necessarily a good place to start. Yeah. Um, or like a one size fits all place to start. Um, I think that it really depends on your capacity and your desire. Mm. Um, I think often when we get stuck in our recent ancestors, it can make us feel like like these are people who had direct impacts on our lives yeah um and so that is hard and it can also be really easy to get into like the blame of it you know if you're like dealing with like your grandmother who like always told you your curly hair was awful or something um yes more specific example to me but you get the idea yeah um then yeah that's 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 hard and it can be like it's it's not it's not like if you're both approaching it from places of hurt it's not great Mm -hmm. um so if it's 
helpful to connect to, you know, for you, maybe like, you know, runes or mm-hmm. um, the Norse uh, pantheon of deities, then that can be a good place to start. Um, it can also be really great to connect with that, with the intention of like, I want to hold space for all of like, I want to, I'm connecting with this in a way that allows me to hold space for all of like the fucked up people of my lineage yeah, and like hold space for their healing. Um, but I'm not directly engaging with them. And sometimes, sometimes also what is really great, especially when we have like lineages that are like, Ooh, that is, that's tender or like there's direct harm here. Um, a suggestion that I like to make is look for the people who were harmed yeah and and start there Mm -hmm. um so like if you had if there's a family history of like domestic abuse donating to shelters and it like it does not even like and it sounds really trite when I just say it but like Donating money as a form of remediation is a well-documented practice for a very long time. Yeah. Um, And it works. And so um, something that like I do in working with um, Madonna di Marte Virgine, Mm -hmm. um, because she is a Black Madonna, I donate um, to uh, organizations like um, National Bailout. Uh, for bailout black mamas and mm-hmm. um, Asada's daughters in Chicago, um, those are two organizations that I donate specifically for my work with this um, like ancestral spirit. Yeah, and so you can identify those sources of harm and like just start there. Just like look, I recognize that I have this lineage. And I want to put that energy towards righting that wrong, healing that harm in whatever small way I can do. Um, and, you know, it monetary, like a lot of people are like monetary donations, like money's hard. It doesn't have to be a ton of money. Um, mm-hmm. And also you can pair it with volunteer or organizing yeah. work as well. Absolutely. Well, and reading brought- and reading. So like, especially on like, um, I, I'm just, I have a million book recommendations, like, especially when there's like, when there's, um, when we're talking about, um, white supremacy and racism, the book, uh, my grandmother's hands by Resma Menachem, excellent book to work with and pair with either action or monetary reparations of some sort. I mean, say I love you. Always have the best resource recommendations, and I actually did sign up for a runes class with Siri Vincent. Is it Pluff? Pluff. Pluff. Yeah, Pluff. Because you recommended them as a resource, and moving into the Norse heritage is something that I was more interested in because it is so much farther away. But um, yeah, some of like some of that stuff there is just the idea of like being forced to quit a belief system or to let go of some of that ancestral like form of worship and stay in 
other environments or like being forced to convert to another belief system. And that stuff is just so recent in some of my other like heritage. I have a hard time. But so I did, I started learning runes from a teacher that you recommended. Yeah. Series wonderful. And like anybody who's, I, I've, I've been talking with this with a couple of friends about this recently, but like I started with heathenry with North stuff too, like years ago. And I don't, that's not my lineage at all. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're just so loud, the the Norse deities. And so like, also, if you're like looking for like an into like, how do I talk to these like beings that I like don't understand how this God concept works at all? Like, yeah, they're loud. So yeah. that's a great place to start. Um, so yeah, and Siri is an excellent place to start learning. Yeah, fantastic teacher. Um. Yeah, really cool. I it's one of those things too where the the idea of like um respect. So do you have the belief that like they're all eagerly waiting to be connected? Have you ever had the experience of like the fear, right? Of um, you know, I deconverted from a faith that a lot of my lineage yeah is a part of. Are they spitting on me like mad, frustrated with me? Because earlier you said that you once they're on your team, like it's like spiritual supercharge. And I'm like, yeah, are they always on your team? Yeah, it can be hard, right? And it, it really varies. Like when I read for people's ancestors, um, one of the reasons I do it as a recorded reading is because sometimes their ancestors are like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I have so much to say. Like I've yeah. been trying to get their attention forever. And sometimes their ancestors are like, I do not want to talk. Really? And like, yeah. And like, you need to like, like specific offerings, specific decks, like, yeah it's it's a whole thing and like everyone's ancestors are different and so it requires like some discernment some like experimentation right um for me like I have three or four decks that I've purchased and I'm like this is going to be my ancestor deck Mm. and just like that's not quite right that one's not quite right and it took me a few tries to find like the deck that my ancestors were like really hyped for yeah um it and you know sometimes our ancestors are really excited about like or people's ancestors are really excited about like non-traditional decks Mm -hmm. which is interesting and sometimes they're like they're they only want Rider Waite Smith so you know it it if you do a tarot reading with your ancestor and you're like or you know what what have you and you're like that did not hit do it again with something else yeah um, until you figure it out yeah until you find yeah. that channel mm-hmm. yeah there is so much that we get from our heritage from our ancestors from like that legacy that we're born into and I we we talked about like so briefly in the Saturn return episode which is where I was like oh my gosh you have to come back we have to talk more about this and that is the perspective that like a lot of our career choice is heavily influenced on some of those stories and beliefs that we inherit from our family. Um, I know I can speak a little bit to that, but like, has that come up for you? Like you're working with people and career is kind of the emphasis or it it's adjacent to the conversation? Um, I have worked with a lot of people whose like ancestors have a lot of specific call- I, opinions about their like, like life's work. Yeah. Um, I, not so much like, because of the ways I tend to focus my ancestor work readings, um, what the ancestors that we're checking in with tend to be like a little bit more general than like, 
you know, your grandparents and what they thought you should do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, like that might be there. It might come up. Like I'll, there can be like some themes of judgment about life choices. Yeah. Um, but like when, when I've like seen that happen, it tends to be like really like, no, th- this is where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of the times like that, like, general like you did this wrong kind of like sits in a miasma of you did this wrong (laughs) and it's not like you did your career specifically wrong yeah or something um generally we disagree with your life decisions (laughs) yeah (laughs) but they're the big ones right there's like a lot of those the angular houses the way that you express yourself where you live who you choose to love or partner with and Mm -hmm. what you do for career those are the big ones that are very visible and everyone has an opinion about and somehow it's okay for them to have an opinion about. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, often if there's judgment in one point, part of that, there's going to be judgment in other parts. And so I, it might be there. I, it's not, like, the most discernible mm. spe- thing specifically in my experience. Yeah, that's fair. The, the only time that I really – and I've, I've started to offer this a little bit more because it was so helpful for me. Um, but in – my master's program, we did like career genealogy. And so it was more true to like, this is like the bloodline and let's draw like yeah. kind of the family tree mm-hmm. and, and the relationships and all that. But we were going through it because at the time I was having a really difficult decision in my marriage on whether or not we wanted to start a family. Being the person with the womb, my role in that was very, very different than what my partner's was. And it was difficult because I've always been like so career driven and like fascinated by it. And that just was not the expectation Mm -hmm. for women growing up in the religion. It wasn't the priority, but I also had never seen that modeled. And so when I started like drafting out my family genealogy in the purpose of writing their jobs, like these are the careers that they had. Um, And then it did come back to that storytelling piece. It wasn't enough just to write down like, you know, the majority of people in my family, like, the women in my family were nurses or stay-at-home caregivers, it was telling that story of, well, here's the belief I have about that. And here's what I heard about that. And here's now how I internalize this messaging. And so I'm just going back to what you said at the very beginning of like, it's really the storytelling aspect that is so important. It's not enough to just know what their name was, like Lemon, right? It's really about what do we know about them and, and how does that now influence how we navigate the world? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think about this, and this is kind of just because of the general themes of life that I'm swimming in right now, but I think about this a lot in the context of, like, ancestral money stories, and a lot of people will say, like, oh, you know, women couldn't have a bank account until, like, this day, and so, like, you focusing on your career is, like, healing your family lineage, and, like, that can be true in some cases, but, like, for me, every single woman who was a mother in my family lineage had to work, mm-hmm. had to have a job, like either, you know, her husband died or like they, they just needed those, the two incomes. Like yeah. it. And so for me, sometimes it's been about like, it's okay to not focus on your career or not make it about the money or to like focus more on the values of yeah. how you're making that money. And so yeah, it 
sometimes it's a, it's a little bit more subtle than like these collective uh like societal stories that we inherit um sometimes your personal story might be a little bit out of step with that um and and that that's worth exploring and appreciating that that's what ancestor work is all about so yeah yeah I do feel like it's already like become like a little bit demystified just in like the time that we've been talking here I was also thinking like for me a big part of that was um also like you know becoming a parent by choice and not out of obligation like even being having the space and the grace to make that decision Mm -hmm. um is a piece of that as well yeah you don't have to make like different decisions to like have it be super healing yeah 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 do you have like a particular um ancestor that you find that you favor or that you work with like the most I'm thinking of like you know, I, I had like a grandma who always favored me. Would would she be the one or um, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I, my more recent ancestors kind of like come in and out for like whether they need like help or whether they're helping me. Yeah. Um, I have some like, for me, it tends to be like really like spirits of my family lineage. So like, I had this really funny experience recently. Um, I had kind of like a slight mystery in my, the Italian side of my family. Uh I'm like, I can't, I can't do the genealogy. Like there's, the records are complicated. They're all mixed up. Everybody's names are different. It's always spelled different. It's so hard to follow. Um, And so I, I hired a genealogist to do that little bit of research for me. Uh, to figure out where they immigrated from Mm -hmm. um and I've been like in the back of my mind I'm like oh man I really want to work with Saint Sebastian I really want to work with Saint Sebastian I'm like no I'm not just gonna like do the cliche thing and work with the hot twink saint like come on (laughs) um they immigrated from a town whose patron saint is Saint Sebastian yeah (laughs) um so yeah I that and and i in looking at my um, Italian family on in another side of it, yeah, um, the they were all named Magdalena, or like lots mm-hmm. of people were named Magdalena. I'm like, that's weird. I guess I'm gonna work with like Mary Magdalene then. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that she is she's not the patron saint of their town, but she's like one of like there's a long list. And yeah. so but she, and she's one of them. And I like found that out years later. Um so I really tend to work more with like spirits of the yeah. lineage. Um but I don't think that's necessarily like that's just my particular flavor. I'm a spirit worker at heart. Mm-hmm. Um and that's you know sometimes specific ancestors come up for me and sometimes they don't they kind of like come in and out yeah yeah what if someone doesn't feel any connection there like yeah I'm thinking of that like I you know either maybe it is a situation of like it was an adoption or um yeah they just like they don't feel like called in any direction but they really want to engage in the work yeah I think what if you if you feel like called towards ancestor work but you're not feeling that response yeah something like what we're doing when we are working with our ancestors we're cultivating relationship yeah and 
that relationship is something that humans have cultivated throughout all time, but that we've stopped cultivating. And so it might take time to build that, you Mm -hmm. know? So I would say, come up with something like really simple that you can do at an interval that feels accessible, whatever that, like, whether that's like on the full moon, on the new moon, um, on Saturdays, like Saturdays are great. Sundays are even really great. I did Sundays for a while because it's like your ancestors would have been in church. It's like, you know, um, so yeah, like just pick a day or like another great one for me is like making your coffee in the morning and just like making the time that you're making the coffee. Like it's like, this is like five minutes max, right? Just be the time that you're like, hi ancestors. And then the next day, hi ancestors or the next week, you know, hi, hello. Hi, how's it going? Hi. Like, and, and really like persistence builds trust. And sometimes that's what's necessary to initiate that relationship is like, just like, I'm here. I want to do this. I'm going to keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think about like, maybe even some of those ancestors that like might be hesitant to reach out because they do have like stories that are not told or are not shared or, you know, carried shame about any like, you know, decision or identity or something like that into the next life. And I mean, you, you heard it from me earlier. Like I judge the hell out of some of my ancestors. <laughs> so why would they want to talk to me if I'm so grouchy towards them? Right. <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't, I get a lot of people who come to me and like, you know, I'm just to be clear, I'm a white person. I work with mostly white people. A lot yeah. of white people will come to me and they'll be like, I had super racist ancestors and I want to like yes. heal them. And it's like, nope. We are not centering the awful white men of your lineage in your spiritual practice. Yeah. Like you can just never, you can never work with them and that is okay. Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah, (laughs) that's, you don't don't have to work with them. It's a fair point. I mean, that's something that again, like similarly, um, that is a part of like the challenge of wanting to go back and do some of this work is the relationship to white supremacy, but also misogyny and colonialism. And, um, you know, I'm in the West. And so I live in a state that was colonized by like my ancestors, like, and the mm-hmm. family I'm married into as well. And just like, yeah, it's, it's confusing to get into, but also like, I, I kind of want to like circle back and like speak more about the remediation. I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so some things to think about. Um, when you have ancestors who've done things like that, it is an option to like do a banishing, like a hex, like something to like put a boundary around those ancestors. Like those, if those ancestors have like not like had their like, I don't like their come to Jesus moment with like, we're all interconnected and like, yeah, then you don't, ha- you don't have to work with them. And you can also put a boundary around them to stop them from harming you, from harming other people, from like wreaking all kinds of havoc. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent, 
maybe even have a responsibility to do if you're somebody who is interested in liberation and uh, righting these wrongs. Mm-hmm. Something that I'm in the process of doing after a conversation I had with a like colleague of mine, Katie Swallow, who does also does amazing ancestor work, um, is like banishing servants of the state from your lineage. Um, so like people who have worked with royalty, worked in castles, worked mm. as servants of the upper class or yeah. aristocrats. Um, yeah. And I was like, ooh, this is like paying something for me. I did some divination like this, this needs to happen for me. Yeah. Um, because like, yeah, in my divinations, like this is still impacting your life and I got to do something about it. Yeah. So um that that's an you can you can hex them, you can banish them, you can like um uh I can't even think of like the word now, but like bind. You can bind yeah. them. Um Okay, so that was one thought. Yeah. The other thought is like again, um sometimes often when there is that kind of like patriarchal harm happening those people harmed people in your lineage mm-hmm. so yes. not in addition to that like who were these people harming in the collective sense and you can like put money towards those causes work and organize for those causes um unlearn your internalized racism all, like all of you know all of these things that you learn from society that these people in your lineage also contributed to mm-hmm. um you can also, look for who was harmed by these same people in your lineage. And sometimes those stories can be obvious. Um, you know, like maybe there was like a young child, like a relation who like died by suicide or like, right? Mm-hmm. Like these things can can sometimes be obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, you might need to do more either like energetic divinational digging or um, some genealogical digging, depending on like how you go about it. Yeah. Um, but you can start working with those ancestors. And like, honestly, I like that center the people who've been most harmed yeah. in your practice. I think that's, that is an excellent just ground rule is like, it's not about healing your like patriarchs yeah that's that's not what we're doing I they appreci- can come around if they want to yeah um but yeah I really appreciate that perspective because I think I also had that belief of like I have to go like heal them and fix them and and also I don't want anything to do with them and I never mm-hmm. thought about the idea of like putting up a boundary with like an ancestor in that way of like actually like you're not someone who's going to be the center of this yeah and, and I'm like I'll be elevate. real I've yeah. like put up boundaries with like not necessarily harmful ancestors who like had very specific opinions about my life yeah like um for a while I had an aunt who struggled to have kids of her own Uh and um she you know I was working with like parts of this lineage and she like came to me in a dream one day and she's like when are you gonna have children like you have to give your husband children like if you do this ever again you're out Mm. and like that that was all it took like this is this is just not that's not how I'm going to be talked to I do not care 
Yeah. And yeah, that's all it takes sometimes. I feel so silly now. I don't know what it is, Lex, but like when it comes to like in the real life, in this physical plane, it is like boundaries and like that makes so much sense. But I've, it was so, it, it wasn't natural to translate that into the idea of like spirit work or ancestry work. I mean, so a couple of things like, how, were you ever allowed to have boundaries with your family as not a kid? Once. Yeah. No way. And, especially and, not with grandparents. <laughs> yeah. And also like, we tend to have this like, sacrosanct view of the spirits yeah Um, I actually like I made a post on threads the other day I was and I called Aphrodite a crazy bitch (laughs) and I was like oh my god people are gonna be so mad and so like I I I added this thing at the bottom I'm like crazy bitch respectfully and I do this intentionally because like I want to demystify the process of relating to spirits right like this is this is a mundane part of our lives that we do not have to approach with like you know catholic levels of ceremony yes um and yeah so like call your saints a crazy bitch i Um, love that what is the tagline (laughs) that you use on your website something with like the sacred sacrilege yeah oh it's my favorite it's my favorite thing (laughs) but absolutely i mean geez i feel like i'm being killed i need to like Venmo you for this podcast episode (laughs) like I even just I did like yeah I was never like encouraged to put up like boundaries between my elders in this real life so naturally and I think also too I was like raised with this belief of you know people have challenges when they're alive but when you die you're made perfect again and so why hold on to those hard feelings why hold on to those hurts can't you just let it go you know not only are they in a better place, but now they're a better person too. And so then, you know, it was my problem that I couldn't move on, or it was my fault that I was still, you know, frustrated or irritated or felt like I needed to have some type of separation, you know, that was put on me instead of where it needs to be, which is like with the individual who harmed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, this is my kind of view on it is like, you know, in Catholicism and like, we can there's all kinds of like stuff like is this accurate liturgically and like Mm -hmm. or like you know in the actual like doctrine of the church but like there's the concept of purgatory right yeah and you go to purgatory and like you're there and then like that year after someone dies right like you don't you don't really like want to like reach out or like talk to that like that person is in like this like uh this liminal space Mm -hmm. of transition like there's this understanding that it takes spirits like some time to like make that transition and like sometimes they don't yeah and you know that that's important you know sometimes they don't and sometimes like you need to give them space to like do the thing Mm -hmm. um and so yeah that's that's one reason why I'm like on on my website if you look like about ancestor work readings and like if you have a recently deceased ancestor that you're like specifically interested in talking to like I if it's more recent than a year I will not entertain it at all yeah if it is more recent than like three years like that's a maybe for me yeah um yeah like when when my one of my aunts passed when my grandmother passed like they have not made it into my ancestor work practice until like this year. And it's like really only a little bit. It's only more like, okay, now I see that like you have 
made that jump. Like you're now part of the ancestors, but like that, those, those intervening years between their deaths and now they were, they weren't there. They were making their way. They were figuring it out. And like, I can like put out water and I can like, you know, get my other ancestors to like help you out. Yeah. But that, that's not my responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's making me curious about the, the difference between ancestor work and trying to work with like ancestors versus trying to go to like a medium and speak to a deceased individual. I feel like the intention is different. Yeah. It's really different. And like, sometimes I, the mediums like directly channel spirits, right? It were, and I'm not saying that I don't do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but the goal is, in my opinion, from ancestor work is like engaging with this entire lineage, engaging with this like overarching concept of, of story and mm-hmm. this overarching concept of, um, where we fit in the world and what yeah. our roots are and what we're growing towards. Like, what are the, like, again, that tree metaphor is like, what are we being fed on mm-hmm. and how are we growing from it? And how are we like then like contributing to that larger cycle of what it means to be human in this lifetime on this earth? Yeah. And yeah. So it's definitely a little bit more, like you can work with specific spirits um, and that is it it's absolutely a part of it. Um, and sometimes your grandma shows up in your dreams or something. Um, but it's much more about that bigger picture of like, what does it mean to be like a human person who like lives in an interconnected web of experience and is nestled amongst relationships and, and coming back to that kind of relational understanding? Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting to think about like all the connections that we have. This is something that I really didn't think about until I was pregnant, but even like the concept that um, like, uh, you know, a person is born with like all of the eggs already inside of their body, right? Mm -hmm. Which means that my children that I carried, my mother carried because I was carried by her and therefore my grandmother carried me. And so there's the actual like, uh, you know, physical component of it. Uh, we, we share these experiences because when my mom was going through whatever she went through as a teenager, I was kind of there, like my body was there, um, or, you know, the, the origins of my physical body were there. Um, but then there's also like everything that's shared energetically as well. And I, I just keep thinking about what you said at the beginning too. And I've been trying to think about who that might be in my life of like the people that maybe don't show up on a gene, like a genealogical chart because they're not blood related, but were caretakers in my lineage and served like a really, really important purpose. There was also in, I don't remember if this happened like everywhere, but both in my family and my husband's family, um, they fostered indigenous children, like native American children. And we don't know them. Like we're not super connected to like all of them, but they were part of that family. And there is that like relationship and like, you know, that care that has now influenced like my family. And so just the idea of like the fractal thing again, right? Like we, sometimes we think about things as so linear, especially when I was first exposed to the idea of ancestry, but it is so much bigger than that. There's a very big net of people that are feeding into that root system. Yeah. Yeah. And even 
I don't know, like I feel prompted to mention um, with with the case of like white families fostering native children yeah. as like that led to like some specific legislation, uh, ICWA, yes. which is like, so like that can even be like in looking at that as like, even if there was care there, it was part of a larger system of white supremacy. Yes. And yes. like there, so there is a lot of subtlety that can yeah. go into this and in thinking about like one's responsibility to your lineages of care yeah absolutely and again it goes into like man this the value of the um remediation it's it can be so sticky it can feel so tricky which again when i felt that initially my reaction was like that i'm not going to engage it's too complicated i'm going to stick with like uh, you know and this is where it's complicated yeah (laughs) but this is also that impulse to like do spiritual bypassing or um you know um it just, it comes up in a lot of situations, right. Of that fear to engage because you don't want to do it the wrong way. And because it's really icky and it can feel uncomfortable, but that's like shadow work, right? Like, yeah, it can't doing just it be perfectly is doing it the light. human way. Yeah. 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 So I, I think, you know, if you, if somebody, some people don't feel called to work with their ancestors at all. And like, I get that. And if you don't feel called to it, like, more power to you if you like absolutely know that um but if you're somebody who's like I feel like there's something here for me like just dip your toe in dip your toe in anywhere like wherever you want to start like I've I've listed a whole bunch of books start with any of them yes um like that it does not have to be like a big commitment you do not have to make an ancestor altar that includes like a bunch of like fancy candles you don't have to like find pictures of your ancestors to put on the altar like Mm -hmm. in fact I don't like I I did start like with that kind of more traditional altar I do not keep pictures of my ancestors on my altar anymore it's just not it didn't feel right you know for my ancestors and my practice and so like your ancestor work practice can look a whole lot of ways yeah Um, and and starting and like dipping your toe in doing an experiment like and then waiting right like that's the hard part is like you try something and then you're like waiting and like how did that work like let me pull some tarot cards about it let me wait a moon cycle and see what happens yeah um let me wait for like my ancestors to like show up in my dreams um Mm -hmm. it takes time and it's annoying um but yeah like it it's because it is so personal like you're and, and and I think there's sometimes this like feeling of like I am doing ancestor work and so like all of my ancestors problems are my responsibility yeah ancestor work is like properly speaking a collective practice mm. and we might be approaching it now as individuals but like that doesn't change the fact that this is actually a collective practice that you're not fully responsible for yeah. You're responsible for your part of it. And your part of it is going to be different than your siblings part of it, than your parents part of it, mm-hmm. than like your cousins part of it. You all share the same lineage, but the ways that your family specifically impacted you are different. Yeah. And like your role in that is different. So yeah. letting yourself like you're allowed to start small. You're allowed to take only on only your part of it. And like, I think 
there's also sometimes this like again desire to do it like really grand yeah um something I always give my students permission to do at the end of like our ancestor work courses together is to not keep going maybe you dipped your toe in and you're like this is not for me or this is not for me at this time mm-hmm. or what I did in these like in this the span of this class that's done and I want to try this in a different way yeah any of those are like perfectly good options as well yeah I love that well let's say like okay so someone is listening and they're like yes I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to try it. This is something that I've wanted to do, or I've been curious about, or maybe this is the first time I'm even thinking about it, but like, I want to move forward. What are some of the greatest, um, outcomes? I don't want to say benefits because I don't want to like put judgment on it. Right. But like, what are some of the outcomes that you've seen and how it's transformed your work like with clients? Yeah. I'm like, Okay, my ancestors are really good at getting me jobs. Like, and that's just like me personally. They're like really great at like that kind of like bringing in money stuff, like direct, quick, easy. And it's like, it doesn't even take any effort at at this point for me. It's just like, hey, ancestors, like I'm doing this thing. Here's a little bit of water. Here's a candle, handle it. Yeah. Um, I, and I know that like a lot of, other people who like do ancestor work have this experience of like ancestors I need this material thing like pull some strings you know how the material world works yes help me make it happen um another great benefit of ancestor work is like ancestors and you know I don't like I'm not saying that you need ancestors to like have an excellent channel an excellent connection to spirit but it is they're kind of like a very accessible route to building mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, as I have seen, you know, like I've in my practice and with um, some of my students and clients, it's like beginning to work intentionally with your ancestors really starts to like coalesce it. It's a little bit hard to put into words. Um, but then also there's things like you, like I had this really, this student who was working specifically with some of their queer ancestors and, um, they ended up with a new spirit guide because of it. Um, it doesn't even have to be like brand, like, oh, my ancestors like made me $5,000 or what, like, you know, got me a job. It's, It's like, maybe you just bring in a new beloved spirit to your practice or you experience a deeper connection to the earth or to a plant that was meaningful to your ancestors. Um, Or you, you know, cooking practices are a really great one for connecting to ancestors. So maybe you develop a more nourishing connection to your body Mm. and its own like cycles and desires. Yeah. I love that. It can be something really big. I'm also like, I kept getting the, I'm just like a nineties kid. Right. I just kept picturing like Mulan with the great stone dragon. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a great stone dragon. (laughs) Sometimes it's actually just like this anchor 
of like, I'm actually just okay with where I am. And um, yeah, like you no longer have like these ghosts haunting you. Yes. Yeah. Like I, so personally, I have a bunch of 12th house placements and (laughs) I also have a bunch of like second house placements and a second house moon. So like my body is like, uh, is haunted. I am haunted. Yes. Um, and like if ancestor work brought me nothing else, it is a sense of being here in this body in this lifetime. Yeah. And like, that is, that's, that's a lot. That is, yeah. And it sounds like something really small, but that's where a lot of worry and anxiety and fear, that's like where it comes from is not being like fully center and present with where you are. I love that. Well, I know you have a ton of resources because I have perused your website a handful of times. And actually we're recording this on the day of the full moon and you were one of my featured like service providers that I sent out to folks that are seeking some support around this like full moon right now. Um, Do you want to introduce like some of your favorite resources or like what's the best spot to start if folks are like navigating your website? Yeah. So the best place to start, if you're like, I want to get started with ancestor work. um, The best place to start is the resource list that I think I sent you a link to. Yes, you did. Okay. Yep. Um, that I can put is, it in the show notes. Excellent. That is just like my like little rundown, like cheat sheet of like, this is what ancestor work is. The Here's some like defining the terms. Um, here's like a quick like get started guide. Mm-hmm. And here's like, here's every single book that I have read and recommend um, about ancestor work. There's articles there's um a very excellent guide about um the restless dead by uh from Sasha, Sasha Ravitch and so if like you're if you're like oh my god yes my body is haunted read that one okay <laughs> like that is number one that one yeah. um and then I also have I already mentioned the um queer ancestor work for folks in southern Italian diaspora so if you're southern Italian that one's not available on my website, um, but it is available for free. You just have to reach out directly to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like this was made as an offering to my ancestors, and it's really deeply personal and deeply specific to like my work. I'm happy to share it, but also it's not just like on my website. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're like ready to dive in, I offer ancestor work, uh, weaving ancestral connection readings. Um, and I'm going to be teaching a class in October. Yeah. Connecting Very with your ancestors. Cool. So the best, like, so you were like one of the best, like, I love your recommendations. You're one of my favorite accounts to follow because I'm constantly learning new things and being exposed to new material. And one of my strengths is actually like input, which is one where I love collecting resources. Like my library is out of control. My Pinterest boards are out of control. And you totally feed that habit of mine of like, Ooh, I need to get all of these things. Um, but that's something that I really cherish about your perspective as well, is that you come from such like an intuitive knowing place and you have done so much work and you have taken in like all of these other like perspectives and teachers and you have like a really strong legacy of learning that I really appreciate. Thank you. That means so much like that. I feel like that's kind of like where I shine in my background is like, actually I'm doing this in a way that's like 
actually deeply intuitive and I really want to empower all of my clients to follow their intuition over like some like paint by numbers approach where like this is you know you do this ritual and it'll connect you to your ancestors like I mean it might work but it's like your ancestor work is going to be deeply specific to you right Mm -hmm. um and so I want to empower people to follow their intuition but like also that comes with like I've tried a lot of things yeah yeah and I've read a lot of books and I've I've tested out a lot of practices because I love to experiment with it so yeah yes I love that awesome well I will definitely I'll put your socials and your website in the show notes again as well as the link to the resource guide which the corporate coven newsletter got again on the full moon the day that we're recording this um so definitely recommend almost everything that you haven't explored everything so I can't say everything but I also love being on your newsletter and reading the love letters from the liminal it's one of my favorites that I look forward to I love my newsletter too it's my absolute favorite Yes. So, yeah. Such if you joy. sign up for, if you get the resource list, the honoring our or queer ancestor work resource guide. Yes. That that will sign you up for my newsletter. Fantastic. Well, so. Very cool. So if you guys are interested, all my listeners out there, it'll be in the show notes. And again, like, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.